Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast, the show about everything and nothing all at once. I'm your host, the one and only host with the small lips, Loudmouth. It's Madison Hadler. Welcome back. I know that this has been a delayed episode of the Loud and Proud series, and technically Pride Month is over, but it doesn't mean we can't celebrate Pride all year round. So that's what we are going to be doing here today. Um, I have my lovely guest on today who is a mixed media artist. Her name is Eleanor, and I actually met her through my old job at a nonprofit called Flourish Furnishings. She talks about it a little bit on here. But I'm so excited to have her on and talk about her queerness, how it inspires her art, how it inspired her field in the nonprofit world, and so much more. I hope you all enjoy listening to her talk about her favorite artists and kind of what being a mixed media artist means and how that relates to her queerness and her identity and how she's come out and things of that nature. So enjoy this episode and your extra bit of pride even though june is over okay hey how are you hi good Look at all the plants you have behind you. Oh, my God. Yes, our jungle. So my name is Eleanor Noyes. Um, I use she, her pronouns. I'm an artist and writer based in Kansas City. Um, I'm a lesbian. I create um, abstract sculptures that reflect my experience as a queer person, I would say. Um, I incorporate a lot of mixed media um kind of found from my environment mm-hmm. and just transform it into something really expressive um and abstract which represents my my internal experience so i grew up um in conway arkansas which is <laughs> a small pretty southern town um and I kind of always had trouble like expressing just my experience and connecting with other people. And um, so I kind of realized that I was gay on the internet. Um, mm-hmm. One of my first crushes was on roblox.com. No way! So uh, I realized I was gay when I was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it was it was kind of hard um my family was super accepting mm-hmm. my grandma is also a lesbian so yes they weren't shocked um <laughs> but just the culture in Conway was pretty like conservative and Christian and it just felt like like I didn't belong in any of the just predefined roles mm-hmm. that you know, people were kind of expected to fit into either, you know, as a, as a woman. Um, And so art kind of became this like other option for me. Mm -hmm. It was like, sort of gave me permission to just define myself 
like there's there's just not that same like role of what it means to be an artist and that felt like something that was really up to my creative interpretation um mm-hmm. there are also a lot of queer people who are artists and kind of drawn to those creative fields maybe for that reason yeah. um so art art was a way to kind of deal with some of just my depression and other mental issues that I've just always kind of experienced partly after I came out but partly just who I am um Mm -hmm. but it so sort of that internal side but it was also a way to really connect with other people and like find a way you know to to something outside of myself yeah find a little community right so it's kind of like a give and take between just my personal stuff and then figuring out a way to kind of bring that out into the world with other people. Did you just come out to your family and then did you make it like public or anything like that? Or was it just kind of a slow trickle of people finding out and just. Oh my gosh, I forgot about this. (laughs) I actually came out as bi to like break up with a boyfriend. Oh my gosh. Because I was like, (laughs) It just felt, you know, how it is. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah. It was like my, I was friends with like a bunch of guys and I don't know why we dated, but I was dating one of them. And then I had been kind of questioning. And so I came out to like him and my friends first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told my family later. And you came out as bi first. And then when did you? Yeah. Pretty Draw much that pretty quickly after. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you were like, like I'm lying. <laughs> yeah. I think like as soon as I actually dated a girl, I was like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, There's no question anymore, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember like I had those like really short term like nothingness boyfriends. And mm-hmm. then I had like a sort of a short-term girlfriend too but it was like the same middle school kind of like holding hands down the hallway and like whatever but it just felt so different with the girl Uh it was really it was crazy the girl that you dated was in person because I know you said your first crush was online so yeah I never dated that person or I've never I never met her we we just knew each other online chatted got it got it (laughs) so in Arkansas we played played Roblox games together so (laughs) cute (laughs) I was I was really gonna say I like I thought you were gonna say Tumblr or something I was not expecting Roblox to be the one predated even Tumblr for me (laughs) (laughs) that is so funny it's like a tinder moment but on Roblox But you're in Conway and you date, start dating another girl and you start holding hands down the hallway and things like that. Did you do that in public or did you do that privately? And how did it feel to like do those things in your small town? Yeah, it was public. There were like kind of a small group of other queer kids and like mm-hmm. it felt it felt sort of like making a statement on some level, like, you know, people would kind of give you like a second look, but it felt, it felt good to like, just do those things in public for the first time and kind of 
I don't know, just realize that's something that you can do. I mean, I, it's, I think that's part of like teenager, just being a teenager and like Mm -hmm. understanding, like understanding your relationships with other people and Mm -hmm. like romantically and just in general, like in every way. Um, And that I think being queer just adds like another level of that where it's like you don't take some things for granted like mm-hmm. or there's like less like you know what it's what it's gonna look like yeah and you're kind of like figuring it out for yourself because you probably have never had any well you had your grandma but not many other influences like in person besides right that you know and so you're figuring right. out what that looks like publicly yeah. as well or like how to navigate yeah. that with no real examples on it interesting like for the next generation of of queer people to have like so many more like older queer people because I think that's something that like to see an older gay person is kind of rare today yeah at least like not way less common so so we kind of talked about you getting into art art how is expressing your identity and your queerness come out in your art and how has have you seen it grow since you were in high school or middle school and beyond using mixed materials is a big part of that um and you like sort of as a queer person and like that whole experience of feeling like not really like I belong or like, and just having these mental health issues that just often made me feel like sad and, you know, kind of worthless. Um, mm-hmm. That has given me like a really deep sense of empathy and like Absolutely. willingness to like a desire to, to build value in myself partly mm-hmm. and then build value around me like in people in materials Mm -hmm. and so lately I've been working a lot with recycled materials so collecting things like just from my life like paper and plastic um I've also like to collect like stuff from the street to some extent like some car parts and just like just things that have been thrown away that are sort of they're sort of undefined like Mm -hmm. in this state of I don't know like a state of abandonment but so and like loss of purpose almost kind of right yes left out on the street and not really yeah right like they no longer fit into that original function you know Mm -hmm. and so creating a new function for them as artworks um and sort of seeing like how how they can be transformed into that so appreciating like just their aesthetic qualities like the material the color the texture seeing the potential for those things to become artworks and Mm -hmm. become paintings or like however those things are expressed I I love color um and texture like abstract sort of non-representational just forms and surfaces um Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's just sort of like a state of possibility, like. And like turning this thing that no longer served its original purpose anymore and turning it into something beautiful and that's a part of a a collective of other things that have kind of like lost its purpose. So it makes sense to like, yeah, you're taking things, especially when you take them from the community and putting them into a different community. Right. I, I like that thinking about the studio as a community of materials yeah a little community like I'm gonna art, yeah, art community um being able also to use abstract art and other things that kind of don't really have like like obviously they have a sense of direction but don't really maybe not to just like anyone you kind of have to like look at it and kind of interpret a little bit more and mm-hmm bringing that to these pieces that are also were used for like maybe more practical reasons as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like being okay with it, not having a purpose. And like, who are some queer artists that you love that you look up to and that you feel like are making an impact in the community, like as a queer person? Absolutely. So my first example is little historical. She's still alive today. Um, her name is Harmony Hammond. She's okay. a, lesbian fiber artist um she started making work in the 60s when there were almost you know gay rights hadn't even hardly happened yeah and so she her work is very textural she does a lot of like she wraps things in fabric and then layers like paint and all these different materials so another mixed mixed mediums Yes, very mixed mixed media. Um, One thing that I love that she talks about is the importance of making and like using your hands and kind of like that bodily knowledge um, and just the ways that that the body reflects these larger ideas, you know, Mm -hmm. socially about who you are. And she started one of the first um, female art collectives in New York in the oh, 1970s. Wow. So that's pretty awesome. That is really cool. And so she, whenever she came, like whenever she was starting art, she was out and. No, I think she, she came out later. I think it had something to do with the, the art collective. Okay, cool. My second example is Nick Cave. Um, he's also a fiber artist. He's. He's more contemporary. Um, he's still making work and having these big shows. He um, is known for these pieces called the sound suits, where he would basically create like a sculpture, like a wearable sculpture for the body using mm-hmm. lots of different materials. He did one like out of sticks. It was all just like like a complete wearable form of sticks. And oh my gosh just lots of other um, really fun materials and that being all about like the body and adornment and like how you present yourself, you know, to the world. It sounds very camp. It is sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like an interesting line between function and sculpture. Yeah. Does he ever use fabric or is it only like other things that are, no there's there's fabric involved it's almost like a like a lot of them are just super colorful and textural they'll like cover 
like the entire person to where it doesn't hit mm. them at all so okay it's, it's pretty sculptural and it'll just be like a, a really layered surface so that mm-hmm. like a walking painting or something that's crazy does he actually have people like wear them yeah uh. yes, there are some awesome videos what are some changes that you would like to see happen in the art world when it comes to queer voices, whether it be more artists or however it is, what are some things that you would like to be changed? So I, I think that there need to be more gallery spaces that do not function off of like art sales. Mm. There need to be more, artist run spaces that are supported by their members um just finding finding other models to to fund like those exhibition opportunities outside of just selling the art Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of galleries that's what their exhibition programming is is defined by is if it's going to bring in enough income to Mm -hmm. you know pay rent on the space and pay their employees and do all that so finding alternatives to that so like I said the the artist run space where artists you know pay rent for studios and then maintain a gallery and collect Mm -hmm. whatever other fees but it's it's supported by the artists um there are in Kansas City there are a bunch of these collaborative spaces popping up with businesses where the gallery just kind of lives inside the business and they'll host exhibitions just in their space so that gives them like a lot of freedom to 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 have smaller artists um because it's not like focused on selling everything is that kind of the main Okay, like actually holding people in the community, like holding a space for them. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just having more, yeah, more opportunities to just show your art. And like have that space to be seen by other people and, you know, work work towards that. Because having exhibitions is such a big part of, of being an artist. Yeah. And like a really um, interesting thing, I feel like whenever I ask this question too, obviously having more artists, having more queer artists is like so important, but also having more queer people like behind the scenes or, you know, running the galleries, creating the gallery and those, they can be artists too, obviously, but like people creating uh, galleries or creating space for queer people, like other queer people holding that space for other queer people on like the admin side or like the back end kind of thing. Right. I think that social media is a pretty good way for another alternative. Yeah, to control everything from like the documentation. That's that's an interesting, another interesting part is like how much control, like over the presentation of it on social media. I think that's okay. kind of I'm sure that's a theme for social media in general is just like curating what people see but like in an exhibition space it's it's more it's less in your control because you know people can walk around it they see it they can see it all together and you know there might be other restrictions from the space or the gallery like how they want you to install things on social media you're able to curate your own 
your own gallery, basically. Mm-hmm. Like when people right. go and look on your page, like that's a gallery. It's interesting how it's sort of like Spotify has, you know, done a lot for for musicians today. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, internet platforms, streaming music is like the way it's done. I feel like art doesn't have an exact equivalent. I mean, yeah. Instagram, Instagram for sure, but... Yeah, you're not getting really paid to do that unless you become a yeah like content right. creator off of right. it. Right. And there's, not, and, yeah. there's not as easy a way to measure like absorbing art. <laughs> yes. Cause like because essentially like your profile would be like a storefront almost mm-hmm. in a way. Right. But there's mm-hmm. not really a way to like yeah, monitor that or monetize it just off of <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. cause like, even if someone accidentally stumbles upon your music on Spotify, like you're still gonna get some kind of money for them seeing it right. or hearing, you know, hearing it for a second. Is that what NFTs was trying to do? I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But that's it. And having control, I think, is another part of like, like what you were talking about with, um, you know, doing sculptures and being able to mend the objects that you get into mm-hmm. any way, like into any image that you want kind of a nice thing to have control over especially as you're talking about you know mental illness queerness mm-hmm. and like how your identity looks to the world or whatnot and figuring Absolutely. that out I don't know we have less control over th- a lot of things like you know just how we participate in society like we have to work and deal with mm-hmm. all these different things but we do also have a lot more control over over that like appearance like over our identity and I think that sort of self-reflection can be a way to change how you how you relate to the world and yeah again with like taking something and finding a different purpose for it because I think a lot of the time we get like kind of stuck in that like we're doing things for whatever we think society should be held to and kind of what you're talking about with your queerness and figuring out that you didn't really fit into those roles that society was like kind of trying to put you in Mm -hmm. um so it's the control over redefining like where you fit in society and how that kind of works outside of you know the things that you have to do or whatever it is Mm -hmm. I've been able to like use writing a lot to kind of do that even more um Mm -hmm. Obviously, I, I work at Flourish Furnishings doing fundraising and marketing, um, and so that's become a way to kind of use that creativity to highlight and, like, just communicate all the the amazing work that Flourish does and that, you know, I hope to be able to do for, for other nonprofits in the future. Mm-hmm. And like what you were saying earlier about how you kind of gained a sense of empathy, like throughout coming out and experiencing different things and how that's kind of influenced you throughout your life. I was literally thinking about how working at a nonprofit is exactly that. Like mm-hmm. um, you obviously like from the things that you faced and, you know, being in Conway and being queer and finding your identity and through all that, you're able to look at other people that are in, you know, the Kansas City community, whether they're queer or whether they're just, you know, in um, in an underrepresented population. You're able to empathize and find, like, try and help and find solutions because you've right. experienced maybe not the same exact thing, but something on that level. I love the creativity of, like, 
that nonprofits have in like finding solutions because mm-hmm. it's sort of that where they're not bound by selling something. They're it's about like the idea of the yes. mission and mm-hmm. like the impact, like the actual good that they're doing. Yeah. So that's like I feel like that's sort of on the same line of thought. Like mm-hmm. you defining your own role, defining you know your own purpose which yeah. I really I vibe with that yeah and like redefining kind of history in a way you know like in your own like small community like restarting a story helping someone and like making the community better as a whole because mm-hmm. it's you know something that you live in and you experience as well trying to like make yourself better trying to find you know be the best person you can be and I think trying to lift other people up is like the best way that you can do that kind of on that note but what are what would you say to those who are unsure of their identity any advice or stories that you kind of can share to help just anyone who is unsure what what they're thinking and what they're feeling yeah I would say follow your gut like I feel like I have always just kind of known things like on a on an unconscious level like Mm -hmm. just as feelings um and following what kind of felt right has always led me to a good place um and then like the reasoning behind those decisions would sort of come later and it would be like a lot of sense that makes sense and so yeah just trusting trusting yourself I think is a big one and not not feeling like there's a wrong choice or like you're gonna get it wrong there's Mm -hmm. no certain way identity is something that's always changing and it's something that you will have to learn about or you don't I mean, it's not like I have to, it's something that you get to learn about and discover for yourself, like for your whole life. Um, And so I think just finding ways to reflect and to kind of like take, you know, take what's inside and bring it out somehow just to be able to see it. I feel like there are a lot of things like that where I like I might have known it on an unconscious level but it takes that that bringing it out somehow and making it concrete for me to know like for me to even realize it so yeah that's art for me but I think it can be really almost anything yeah and I think that's um it like it's so true with just trusting your gut like whenever you have that feeling just going with it before and the reasoning will come later because it's easy when you feel that gut feeling to like question it and let society or whatever kind of cloud your judgment on if you should be feeling or thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just going with it and then figuring out the reason later allows you to kind of just feel that identity. And then knowing that, yeah, you can never get it wrong. It's your identity. It's your story. You have control over mm-hmm. how you're writing your story. So mm-hmm. it's like if right. you have to come out as one as one thing and then later on decide that that mold doesn't fit you anymore, then 
that's what you do right exactly there's like a thousand you know alternatives and I think not comparing yourself to society's expectations and what you feel like you should be even like even if you do come out I think there are expectations within the queer community and so you know not even not not taking those as as limiting but yes I think thinking about identity and like labels and all the personality like measurements that we have today not looking at them as rules but as tools yeah (laughs) oh that was a good one yeah it can be easy to feel like once even once you're in the community even once you're out to feel like you all of a sudden have to be in this like oh you're bi okay now you have to act like either this way or this way and that's the only way you're accepted as a bi person or vice or whatever it is you know whatever identity Mm -hmm. and it's like you can define what being bi is to you or being mm-hmm. whatever identity is to you because it's who you are so that's your identity right. exactly doesn't really exactly. make any sense especially if we're going to say that sexuality and gender is fluid like that we can't limit our own yeah. people i think the internet can be like good and bad for those yes. things because it can definitely be like those things just kind of come together as standards through everybody you know yes talking about it yeah but you know it also has room for all these other voices and opinions you just have to to seek them out and like I think we talked about this once like crafting your own social media feed yes so taking that like ownership and creative control of social media both like in what we were talking about posting you know like your gallery but also in what you're seeing yeah consuming content that you want to that you want to see and like following other queer artists and curating it in that way so that you're a part of that community on your own phone thank you for having me on here i i haven't thought specifically about being queer and my art and so just reflecting on it was there are definitely connections there. So yeah, you realize those. Of course. And even like, I feel like even if, like, even if there aren't outright connections, like people maybe can't look at it and see it. There are connections that you know and that Mm -hmm. you feel. And I think art, no matter what, is like expressing your identity. So if your identity is queer, then Mm -hmm. inherently your art somewhere along the line is gonna enter in that space too, which I think is so cool to hear and listen about all the connections yeah it's like what identity is is just piecing together all those aspects of yourself and like it takes you know somebody like you asking asking to to make those connections sometimes well yeah thank you for coming on here and telling us your story um where should we follow you can follow me on instagram it's my name three times <laughs> i'll have a link down before down in the show notes for everyone so that awesome. they can go follow your art thank yay you. thank you so much for being on here eleanor i appreciate you have a good rest of your night bye 
As always, guys, make sure you go follow our guests here today. Eleanor's stuff will be listed down in the show notes for you. Make sure you follow me as well. And make sure you get yourself some fruity little merch so that you can keep celebrating Pride all year round because that's basically what we do here at Loudmouth. So if you've never been here before, welcome along. Happy year-long Pride. Um, Everything will be listed down in the show notes for you guys. We have one more episode of the Loud and Proud series. It was my lovely friend, Iris. I hope you guys enjoy that. It'll come out next week. Hope you guys have been enjoying this series overall. It's been fun to be able to ask my friends about their queerness and learn a little bit more about their stories and how they're all different and individualized, but also how they can all relate to one another and how we can really find inspiration in each other, especially during these difficult times, which I'm sure at some point I'll talk about, but right now it's just It's just a lot going on. So we're just going to focus on rallying together in other ways. So make sure you follow Eleanor down below. Make sure you follow me down below. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye.